0: Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan? Brave the Wild is available on all of your favorite podcasting apps. And, of course, also on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you, Dylan and Kyle, for having me on board that awesome network. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today, as the Minnesota Wild have another pretty successful week, to be quite fair. Three and one, and... Having fun? That's it. That's the title of the episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Something along those lines, right? No. Uh, well, they also need to stay out of the penalty box. Uh, they're like... <laughs> 3 to 1 is like the ratio, if not even higher, how many times the Wild are in the penalty box versus you know their opponents. And um, regardless if your PK is good or bad, which it's been... Checkered at best this season. Uh, yeah, Wilder are putting themselves in positions that could cost them. And quite frankly, uh, beating Boston was insanely impressive, but uh, the loss in Pittsburgh wasn't a huge surprise because of the, the uh, penalty kill. And, you know, obviously well, because of the penalties, generally speaking, having to be on the PA penalty kill all the time, giving uh, teams like Pittsburgh power play opportunities, despite the fact they haven't been all so hot this year. They're healthy. Their best players are healthy, and well, when they're given opportunities like that, they're going to capitalize. Vancouver, thankfully, Gustafson was the best penalty killer on the ice, and similar in games like Calgary and such. So, the Wild beat Calgary 3-2, Vancouver 2-1, both in shootouts. In a Pittsburgh game, the Wild come roaring back, and then still end up losing early, you know, kind of midway through the third period on a Crosby goal that was kind of the bouncing puck all over the place, but... Uh, the Penguins had the man advantage, and that's and we have players like Crosby, Malkin, and such. I don't know, Jake Enzel. You're going to be in trouble. Thankfully, the Wild again escape Boston with a four-to-three win. That's easily the feature presentation of this episode, and one of the feature presentations of the entire season. To beat Boston on the road, uh, Boston has been a phenomenal regular season team, and we'll see. We'll see if they can actually finally win a Stanley Cup again. The upcoming games, we have three games to preview after four games to review. Montreal in Exo Energy Center. So this is a homestand, three-game homestand, as we head into Christmas. Yes, Christmas, the real thing. Uh, oh, boy, yep, and we have our annual New Year's Eve game again. Yep, we'll get to that later. Uh, the Wild hosts the Montreal Canadiens, who are actually one game above 500, but in this day and age doesn't mean a whole lot. Host the Boston Bruins, 19-5-6, and, and host the Detroit Red Wings, who beat us in a frustrating fashion earlier this season. 15, 12, and 4. The ever-improving Detroit Red Wings, but still not taking that big step forward. And then the Wild will host the Winnipeg Jets at 1 p.m. So it's not like a later game on New Year's Day, it's a little earlier this time. Hmm. That will be, yeah, that'll be an interesting one in Exxon Energy Center, 18, 9, and 3. Pivotal game, quite honestly, if you want to start making moves forward. So the Wild actually play Winnipeg in back-to-backs, the 30th and the 31st. So, Yep, I'm jumping ahead here. That's the upcoming games and all that, so we'll be talking about the Winnipeg Jets quite a bit next week when we start talking about New Year's. Let's enjoy Christmas first, dang it. Christmas is better than <coughs> New Year's. <coughs> Christmas is better than New Year's. Merry Christmas. Yeah, we could say Merry Christmas around here. We don't have to say... Uh, don't have to be ultra-PC about everything all the time. It's just the way I view the world, sorry. <coughs> Calgary game, 3-2 to two win... Well, the Wild end up surviving in the shootout. <clears throat> Thankfully, it was a bit of a crazy one. Blake Coleman again coming in out of... <laughs> I always got a kick out of that. Plano, Texas. He actually did score in the game. I was joking about that uh, on last week's show. Plano, Texas. He's like the leading goal scorer. Well, one of them anyway. One of the leading goal scorers for Calgary. Uh, Sarangovich actually does have one more goal. Um, the Wilds overall special teams are messed up. Uh, obviously, like <laughs> you give up the power play goal. To. Sharangovich. rolls right off your tongue to tie it up after Boldy again scored his eighth goal of the season unassisted. That was a good one. Obviously getting the turnover and escaping, on his own. Uh, the takeaway is a better way to put it, and scoring. But then Blake Coleman on a sh- uh, shorty, so the Wild give up a shorthanded goal. Not only we not only do we give up a power play goal, but we give up a shorthanded goal, and you could just kind of feel that one coming. Just just poor puck possession. It's quite simple turnovers and then just not being ready at all, and you give up the shorty. Thankfully, Marco Rossi-Rossi <laughs> will tie the game up early in the third, and then a bit of back and forth and such, but then the Wild end up surviving in the shootout. Oof, kind of a weird game, but at least the Wild, uh, again, surviving in situations that were, you know, probably a bit, uh, <laughs> I don't know, mm, uh, in inopportune at times, but at least, again, the Wild do escape. Calgary fam- Flames had a heck of a lot more blocks in the game. Uh, Calgary and Minnesota each had three power plays in the game. Wild over 3 Pittsburgh, or I keep calling, I'm getting everybody mixed up. The <laughs> Calgary Flames, one power play converted. The Wild did not convert any. So quite simple there. Uh, 37 shots on goal. Calgary actually peppered the net, but Philip Gustafson has been red hot, and thankfully... That's been the case. Uh, obviously, again, did have to face quite a bit. It felt like the Wild were going to lose this game, unable to finish in, in opportunities and such. Obviously, again, over three on the power play, and again and giving up the story. Now I'm repeating myself, but thankfully the Wild do survive in the shootout, which makes you feel so much better. The shootout isn't exactly something I, you know, think is the greatest thing in the world for hockey, but um, well, it is what it is. The Wild do survive. Zucarello so was blocked. Um uh did score. Kirill Kaprizov missed. He had us all scared to death. Lindholm had an opportunity to wrap it up. Um, and then ultimately much later, finally. Uh, who? uh What am I missing here? Okay, zucarillo actually scored in the first one. Yes, that's what I thought. I'm like, yeah, zucarillo scored. He did not get stopped. He, he actually scored. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Zuccarillo did score. Yep, I remember now the gorilla did score and then Sharangovich tied it up right away and then you had a bunch of misses from uh, Kaprizov, Lindholm, Gudrow was stopped, Huberdo was stopped, and then Boldy did score and Kadri was stopped by Philip Gustafson in the wild escape in the shootout. So again kind of uh, kind of the more again a, a more defensive approach, more responsible approach when it came to the overall game, again but the penalty minutes continue to happen. This wasn't the worst game ever. 3 power plays not the worst thing I ever saw, but it gets worse. Believe me, it gets worse as we move forward to Vancouver and Pittsburgh. A 2-1 uh, win over Vancouver. Very impressive again. <laughs> a Very low scoring games between Vancouver and Minnesota, where earlier in the year it might have been like 6-5, to 6-4 to four in favor of Vancouver every game with the wild goaltending and poor defense. But um, I don't know, maybe we wouldn't have even gotten four goals though. That's the other thing. But Maybe it would have been 6-2 to two losses. Casey DeSmith back in net, and why the heck not? That's after what he did last time, and he ultimately only gives up one regulation goal. So, <laughs> goals against average versus Minnesota this season for Casey DeSmith is point five, Pretty good. Uh, Philip Gustafson, goals against average versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pretty damn good as well. So, yeah, you feel good about that, 1.5. So, it is what it is there. Um... Frederick Goudreau would be the only guy to score in regulation. And yeah, the, the shine is definitely worn off of his uh, shootout. Uh, <laughs> his, his shootout excellence, unfortunately. So that's how that goes. And then you have Teddy uh, Bluger, the only guy to score for the Vancouver Canucks. you got to love those retro jerseys. I certainly do for the most part. Um, but in this game, they did not have the retro jerseys on the Wild did. We got to see the North Stars look again. With the wild logo, of course, they call them the 78ers. And, of course, we love those very much. Just, yeah, very, <laughs> very nondescript player scoring here. Freddie Kudro only a second goal of the season and Teddy Bluger his third goal of the season. Like, where's Pedersen? Where's Kaprizov? Where's this guy? Where's that guy? But um great goaltending and great defense, to be quite fair. Um, kind of a crazy game at the end of the day. Power play percentage, uh, well, Vancouver, of course, uh, both teams were stopped on the power play throughout the entire night, which is a good thing. Uh, but Vancouver was on the power play five times. But Philip Gustafson saved the day five times. But, yes, the PK did the, did a good job, and it counts, and it means something. But, again, why put your goaltender, why put your team, generally speaking, in such an inopportune position? I mean, there's a reason why the Wild only scored one goal in the game. Because, you know, they... <laughs> They were at a disadvantage several times in the game. So, that's at least 10 minutes right there. So, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of dumb. 10 penalty minutes, obviously. Um, only two power play opportunities. Of course, the Wild didn't convert on those. Big shocker, right? Right? Uh, zero shots on goal for the Minnesota Wild in overtime, which is really scary as well. Only two shots on goal for Vancouver. But, it kind of ended up being that type of game. Uh, Vancouver was the better team most of the night, obviously. And again, of course... You're going to have more shots on goal when you have five power plays to two. That's a huge advantage as well. Uh, Face-offs were just about even, like very close, 50.8 and all that. But uh, yeah, the Wild only lost by one, uh, 31 to 32 basically in that. But uh, mm, five power plays, five power plays. But thankfully again, Philip Gustafson doing an amazing job facing uh, 36 shots and only giving up one goal and then surviving in the shootout once again. So I suppose he's tempered and ready to go, and that's why Philip Gustafson ended up being a net. But uh, we'll look at the shootout again really quick here. The Gorillo opened things up with a goal again, which is great. We appreciate that very much. Um, Kuzmenko missed it. Then you think, oh, my God, we're going to win. Boldy scored. Nope, he didn't. Uh, JT Miller, no. <laughs> Kaprizov, no. Pedersen, no, and then the Wild end up winning 1-0, they got the shootout, 2-1 overall by, you know, they just call it a 2-1 victory, despite the fact there was no regulation or overtime goal that actually counts, but the shootout goal from Zuccarillo ended up being the game winner at the end of the day, which is kind of funny and cool, I suppose um, that's, uh, yep, the Wild missed the net in any shot attempts they had, versus the Vancouver Canucks in the in the overtime period which is always fun to watch but Borski again, the Wild survive in the shootout. And Gustafson phenomenal in both of those games, especially in the Vancouver game, though. I mean, five power plays, it's pretty good. So you figure, okay, it's Marc-Andre Fleury's possible last stop in Pittsburgh, unless maybe he signs Pittsburgh next year or something. If it's if it's either for the whole season or for a day or whatever the heck it is. Maybe, maybe he's in Pittsburgh at some point again, but odds are, chances are this could be his final stop in pittsburgh one way or another as an opponent as a starter or whatever the heck the situation is and well we go with the hot hand with phil gustafson instead which is a little bit sad and frustrating for um some people that wanted to see mark andre Fleury against pittsburgh uh, myself included but at the same time you understand because gustafson's been pretty freaking good and honestly he was good in this game he was just put in poor position he was just put in uh, terrible situations honestly because the wild give up uh Five power plays again. Now, we didn't give them up like in scores necessarily, but we put ourselves at a disadvantage five times in the game. It's utterly ridiculous. Like, how does this just keep happening? 14 penalty minutes for the Wild in this one. <sighs> mm, ridiculous. Five power plays. Five. Five. The Wild had three. Wild score. Nothing on the power play once again. And Pittsburgh had two power plays in the game. Two. Two power play goals anyway. And they dominated in the face-off circle as well, for the most part. Did the um, Pittsburgh Penguins 33 to 24, things like that. Definitely not helping. Wild try as they might, but honestly, at the end of the day, again, you make a nice comeback after being down three to nothing, but again, put yourself in a hole, and then of course the game-winning goal happens on the power play as well, and it's kind of a bouncing puck, and then uh, Crosby ends up finishing things off. Uh, Riley Smith has had a relatively disappointing season, ends up scoring early for the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Um, but at the end of the day it's the power plays, it's the penalty penalties generally speaking. Like you don't want to say penalty kill, it's the it's the fact the wild have been in the box constantly. So you're setting yourself up to lose basically. You know, like say pool, you're trying you have to kind of set yourself up and all that. But if all the <laughs> if all the balls are in like terrible angles and such, you're not going to make it. And maybe you set up the other person accidentally, that's pretty much what the wild are doing here if say you're playing pool. Now, why am I getting into pool? I have no idea. I I guess the puck ricochets off the boards and such. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, Corner pocket, he scores. Nah, doesn't work. It just doesn't. Uh, Jake Ensel, 14th goal of the season. Riley Smith scored early. Again, 3-0. It just felt like, ugh, what is this? Terrible. Um, Pittsburgh, obviously, it's like every single player you've heard of. Riley Smith won the Stanley Cup with the... uh, Vegas goal of Knights, and he'd been valuable with them forever. Goes to Pittsburgh, a little bit disappointing. Gensel, obviously, he's the pretty much the top-scoring guy now in Pittsburgh, Yeah, you know, entering his prime and such. Eric Carlson, I mean, who hasn't heard of Eric Carlson? Sidney Crosby, if you haven't heard of him, you don't watch hockey at all. Malkin, kind of the same thing, other than if you hadn't heard of Malkin, it'd be because he was out for the season or something, you know, an injured reserve, long-term injured reserve, that type of thing, which happened about 55 times pretty much probably in his career. Now, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. It's just an unfortunate fact. Um, Yes, big time. The Wild thankfully, would mount a comeback. Ryan Hartman, Faber getting another assist, and the argument is that he should be on the top power play. Not even on the second power play, but the top power play. And why in the blankety-blank was Brock Faber never on the power play for the Minnesota Golden Gophers? I mean, you saw the way the, the puck placement the guy made even in the NCAA tournament last spring. Just like, wow, look at this guy. Look at the puck placement. Look at the way he set up a goal uh, in in one of those tournament games, just kind of knocking the puck off the boards the way he did. It was just perfectly timed. Just like, dude, this this guy's smart. Like, he's a genius of a player. How is he not on the power play? Like, what the heck? Uh, What the heck, man? And now you're seeing him as a guy that probably should be on the number one power play on a National Hockey League team versus, like, a college team. It's a pretty big jump. Jake, middleman, Middleton. Again, this was a nice play. I actually really like this. Not because Jake Middleton made a spectacular play, but right right place, right time, and able to finish, sure. But Kroka Prizov battling against the boards, battling and battling, is able to retrieve the puck. Nifty pass to Boldy, and then a nifty pass to Middleton. Basically from, we'll call it, what side would it even be? I don't know. Well, just say right to left. I'm just saying it. It could be either way. My right or your right. Right? <clears throat> Sorry. I had to do that. But a couple of nifty passes, and Middleton able to finish as he was approaching the net on a one-timer, as he was approaching the net, <clears throat> and scores to make it 3-2. That was honestly my favorite goal of the game. Also, again, uh, Damon Hunt getting a second assist, you know, his first assist in the NHL, his first point in the NHL, his second assist play, getting the puck to Merrill, who put the shot on net, and deflected by Vinny Latari. It almost looked like Merrill was the goal scorer on that one, but it was deflected by Vinny Latari. And then Crosby again, bouncing puck. Uh, And then you see all the big names, all the fancy, fancy, glitzy names on that power play, and they should be there because, well, if you have talent like that, why not take advantage of it? Why isn't Pittsburgh better? I don't know. They're just not, I guess. They do give up a decent amount of goals. Casey DeSmith isn't there, you see. That's why, because Casey DeSmith, you know. Well, I don't know. I was a little bit bit hard on them. Maybe the Penguins' defense just stinks. It kind of does sometimes, but uh, their offense... When healthy is as good as it gets. And you put them in an opportunity to beat you, they're going to. Because that's exactly what happened. Sidney Crosby, 18th goal of the season. Gensel and Malkin. I mean, it's just, you know, back in the old days, it's like 80s Oilers. You know, like like say you put uh, Gretzky and Messier together with Curry or something on the power play, which happened. And it's like, oh my God. You know, things like that. Mm, You know, you even think of like uh, Nugent Hopkins with... uh, Dreisaitl, and this this Connor McDavid guy on Edmonton at times. But unfortunately, see, they're kind of like the penguins of the Western Conference. Talent, super top heavy, but I don't know. Still not winning games, unfortunately. Those guys are significantly younger, though, I'd have to say, than Crosby and Malkin. And uh, not as injured as those guys. Crosby and Malkin can be at times, knocking on wood here. So I'm not trying to jinx anybody. I don't wish injury on anybody, honest to God. Um, so we'll keep moving forward. But again, five power plays. Mm, five five power plays for Pittsburgh is going to put you in a, you know, that's going to put you in a position to, to to lose the game, especially against, you know, those kind of names. TD Garden, touchdown garden. I'm just kidding. It's, you know, trading stocks, which is kind of fun and such. Um <laughs> about as nondescript a power play as I could ever imagine to think this was a power play. And a lot of people are thinking, why? Well, at least it worked. Do you want to hear the names here on the power play goal to put the Wild up one to nothing? Marcus Johansson, second goal of the season. Good for you on the power play. Freddie Goudreau, Alex Golokoski. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Right, well... They scored. Thanks. That's awesome, actually. And then Pasternak scoring twice in the game. Might as well have had a hat trick the way he was playing. 18th to 19th goal of the season. We're happy for him. But then, thankfully, the Wilds superstar would end up getting two goals as well. And Crosby-style winning it. <laughs> winning it in overtime on a one-timer from and Eck. Ryan Hartman would help along the way to put the Wild up 3-2 to over the Boston Bruins. Like, oh my god, we're going to do this. Brad Marchand scores with about a minute left in the game. It's like, we lost. We lost. Of course we did. I mean, that's the reason why this team has the best record in the league. And it was on the power play. <laughs> of course it was. And he's one of the most annoying guys in the league, despite his, his immense talent. He's annoying. He's crazy. He's weird. There are times you'd think he needs a shrink. Like, yeah, I don't even want to get into some of the weird stuff he would do at times. Um, clicking on the wrong stuff here. But, uh, yep, the Wild will play Boston again on Saturday, December 23rd. I just said that. We're going to preview it. Uh, Oof. Am I seeing this right? No, I'm not. I'm not seeing it right. I'm crazy here. Uh, Oh, yeah, the penalty minutes are really high because Mr. uh, Pat Maroon uh, was, like, booted. So, you got that kind of situation. Um, Boston had one power play, or had three power plays three power play opportunities, in the Wild had one power play, and we actually scored, so one for one in the power play, and Boston Bruins had their power play really late in the game again, in the box at inopportune times, Boston absolutely dominated in the face-off circle, just dominated, I remember seeing like, ooh, look at this, it's uh Matt Boldy versus Charlie Coyle, because um I believe it was Eck was booted out of the face-off circle, and... <laughs> Okay, cool. Boldy versus Coyle, you know, and a lot of... <laughs> when people were frustrated with Boldy, we were comparing him to what Charlie Coyle was doing here. Like, just kind of not really getting over the hump. It was frustrating. And then now, and then he goes into a third-line third, uh, third line center role with Boston, and it's like a perfect fit, like a perfect match, where we don't want to think of Boldy as that guy. And again, it's Boston guys, again, going up against each other. There's a very big Boston vibe with the Minnesota Wild. Even before we had... Uh, yeah, I mean, even before we had Bill Guerin or um, Mr. Uh, Paul Fenton, who are both Boston guys, it's funny, Boston replaced Boston, and then our coach is from Boston, and we also had Torchetti years ago, too, but Coyle's from Boston, Boldy's from Boston, so it's just kind of fun. I, I like it. I like the Boston vibe, but uh, at the same time, <laughs> sorry, I keep saying the accent, but uh, I like it. I like the vibe and everything. It's fun. But, uh, of course, Charlie Coyle won. That's the point I've been trying to get to for about two minutes here. And you're probably banging your head on the on something. with <laughs> Maybe listening on earbuds, I don't know. But banging your head on a tree or something if you're outside. Thinking, Joey, get to the point. So, sorry. <laughs> it was just funny, though. It's funny. I like the whole Boston vibe with Minnesota. But, uh, thankfully, the wild escape, uh, that city... With the and are now in, are now back to 500, back up to par, which in the NHL obviously means you're out of the playoffs still. So it's going to be a little extra work now to be able to get back into playoff positioning or keep on losing what the hell, hello, great player. I don't know. Um, Boston 19-5-6, and, and that's with the loss. So Boston had only lost four games. Uh, then you got the Boston Celtics as well in the NBA, along with the Minnesota Timberwolves with the best records in all of basketball. Fascinating fascinating that the Timberwolves are that good. Check out Timberwolves Explosion if you're interested. That's a podcast, of course. Um, But yeah, Boston having first-place teams, like dominant first-place teams in both leagues. But the Wild escaped this one. And the Wolves actually beat the Boston Celtics earlier this year as well. So, freaking impressive, to be quite fair. So, Minnesota's had a little success against Boston so far this year. And this game was a lot of fun. It's actually flashing on the screen right now. Um, yep, 2-1, to one. there's Charlie Coyle kind of like, yeah, I don't know there's Charlie Coyle, that's all I gotta say there it's third line versus third line, really, literally at this moment yeah, anyhow, it's just funny, that power play though, it's like continuing conversation, why is Goligoski even on the power play, but I suppose he has some offensive ability, it's just he's just not a good defenseman anymore he can't skate anymore, which is a problem, he's like a step slow, that type of thing Thankfully, the Wild though three to one this week and against some pretty tough teams actually, and uh, like Vancouver and Boston to be able to beat both of them, and then you lose to Pittsburgh. That's just funny. And Calgary, who'd been playing better, but you know, I don't know. The Wild end up escaping that one, thankfully, and at least didn't have five power plays, uh, power play opportunities given up to the other team. So, but again, it happened again with Boston. Uh, well, with three anyway. Uh, not as bad as Pittsburgh. So slightly improving in that category, and the Wild ended up getting the job done. With that said, the Mike Madonna Award winner for this episode could go all over the place. Could it be Boldy? Could it be Kaprizov? You know, I mean, that goal in Pittsburgh, he really set that up. I mean, just winning that battle, and then he was able to time it to Boldy, and then Boldy to... It was a beauty. And then the two goals and the overtime winner against, you know, the overtime winner against Boston. Gus has been super good. It wasn't necessarily his fault the way the Wild lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, I've talked about 50 times already, the power play opportunities for Pittsburgh with that spectacular, uh, fancy power play they have. Um, Gustafson deserves it as much as Kirill Kaprizov. It's kind of like a tie. I think I'm going to have them share it. I think I'm going to have them share it. I, I don't like to do that very much, but then again, on Purple Mafia, I do it almost every week, where it's like two players. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson and Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins? No, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to have them share it. I'm going to have them share it. That's probably the best way to go. The uh, James Shepard Popcorn Maker Memorial, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> James Shepard Memorial is what I originally called it on this show. And I'm pretty sure I, I made made that up on my own. I wasn't copying anybody. The popcorn maker was added from a different uh, different show. And hmm, um, well, I can't say Marcus Johansson this week. He actually stepped it up pretty nicely. Who's really been invisible? Uh, and you know, you definitely can't say Fleury. He was pretty damn good against uh, the Boston Bruins. He stopped forty three shots. He made some saves that literally saved the game. Like the Wild could have lost the game easily. Easily, the wild could have lost the game. Uh, at the end of the day, so I can't really complain about that. It's just kind of like the the overall discipline of the team, I think. Because like, there's no individual player that I really want to beat up on at the moment. Even even Merrill like provided a goal in this in this week. That doesn't mean he's like completely redeemed from being probably the worst player on the roster. It's like you might just give it to him by default, but that's kind of like kicking a guy that's down. That type of thing. Um, Maybe Pat Maroon for getting game misconduct. I don't know. It's like he hasn't been as good lately. And I don't know. It's a gentle one. I don't want Patrick Maroon to come and bust my face. So a very gentle. <laughs> not that he even knows who I am or anything. But a very gentle. Uh, little. Okay. A little tiny gentle slap on the wrist. Pat Maroon is going to get a very gentle. Uh, James Shepard Memorial for this week. Again, getting gay misconduct's not a good thing. That's getting a little bit over the top and such even if you think the refs are being a little bit too, like, strict. I don't know, but I don't think it was in that case. Uh, Rossi's been a little quieter, but it's not his fault. He's not been put in opportunities, so it's kind of weird. Luckily, he did get an assist in the Boston game. But, um, yeah, he's not been getting the opportunities that he should get at times. Like, Like, again, Marcus Johansson, that was a complaint brought up. Why is Johansson out there and not Rossi? Rossi, Rossi. It's weird, so... That's where we're going to go with this one. We're going to take a quick break and got three games to preview as we head into (coughs) Christmas. That's what it's called. Back here on Brave the Wild, segment number two, previewing three games looking at the prospects. But first, yes, I like to say pro specs. <laughs> but first, we're gonna jump into DraftKings, our sponsor here on the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. We have some nice lines tonight. The puck line, Buffalo, and Toronto. That's a fun one. Buffalo Sabres are minus 180. Toronto is plus 150. Washington Capitals again. This is the puck line. 205, uh, two, two, plus, plus 205 over Columbus, one, uh, minus 250. St. Louis is minus 142, Florida is plus 120. Nashville Predators, minus 258 versus the Flyers, plus 210. Flyers definitely improving this year. Carolina is favored, plus 185 over the Penguins, minus two twenty five, but... What about us, though? Dang it. What about what they did to us? Vegas. Wow. Vegas heading into Tampa. They've not been playing so great. Minus 265. and Antelope Lightning, plus 215. Edmonton Oilers, minus 258. And the New Jersey Devils, plus 210. Vancouver Canucks, Dallas Stars. Ooh. That's a good one. That's a good one. Vancouver, minus 198. This is at Dallas. Plus plus two uh, 164. Montreal Canadiens coming to Minnesota, minus 148. The Wild, plus one twenty-four. Hmm. <laughs> Ottawa Senators in Colorado. Ottawa is minus one seventy-five. Colorado plus one forty-five. Calgary yeah, and at Anaheim plus one fifty. Anaheim is one eighty minus one eighty anyway. Arizona versus the Sharks. Well, the Sharks are going to be underdogs versus anybody. <laughs> Arizona and they're a little better, but Dumba has like four points, in like thirty games. What the heck is that? He's worse than he was here. Anyhow, Arizona plus. 160 San Jose sharks minus 192 bet on the sharks bet on the sharks I don't know I'm just kidding I'm g- <laughs> uh, yeah sorry I had to um, download the app now and use code THPn new customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just five dollars uh, sorry I was looking at something here. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after. Issuance gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877 hope ny or text hope ny 467 467- 369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org play responsibly uh, play, play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort 21+ plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 1 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. (laughs) So now we're going to come back to the prospects and thank you always, DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. The previews, there we preview a couple games. The Montreal Canadiens, who are obviously underdog against the Wild tonight, and they probably should be. Not like the Wild are tearing the the lid off the NHL just yet, but okay, we beat the Bruins, that was insanely impressive. To be fair, to be fair, this is uh, Thursday, December 21st, again, jumping right into Christmas here, literally. Tanner Pearson, injured reserve. As of December the 10th, Alex Newhook, remember him, injured reserve, November 30th. Jordan Harris uh, expected to return in 10 to 14 days at the end of November. So what's what's going on? Let's go. It's been a month. But uh, what is this, the NBA? No, he probably is back. It's just still lingering there. Um, M- Matt Zuccarillo, also an injured reserve week to week now, unfortunately. So that's another one going into the uh, Pittsburgh game, unfortunately. Matt Zuccarillo, injured reserve. Uh, I believe it's like a chest area type of situation. So week to week, and I didn't even talk about it. My apologies. Uh, Spurgeon has been out for a while. He was out for the 19th game against uh, December 19th, anyway, versus Boston. He might return. He's on the trip, so type of thing. He or he went on the trip, anyway. Now they're back home. Jonas Spurgeon, of course, a broken wrist or arm or something like that, uh, has been out since um, December the 9th. Yeah, that was a four to six week. It's more like six to eight, but we'll see. 'Cause it's a bone. Broken it's most likely a broken bone. They haven't said it, but it, but it is, you know what I mean? Just put two and two together. Montreal, what are they? Like one game above five hundred, right? So yeah. Twenty eighth in goals, the Wilder twenty fourth, twenty-first in goals against the Wilder. Fifteenth, thank you. Gustafson and and Marc Andre Fleury. Similar to last year, all both of them really got better. Uh the Wild did win five to two on October the seventeenth, way back at the beginning of the season. One of our five wins. Under Dean Evison at the time. Power play, very equal almost here. Boy, these teams both suck. Absolutely suck on the uh, seasonal, anyway. We've been better with John Hines, generally speaking, in special teams, but still, so, still overall grade is poor. Power play 22nd, Wild's 23rd. That would be Montreal's 22nd. Montreal 28th, the Wilder 31st on the penalty kill. And it doesn't help with the penalty minutes, the Wilder 29th in the league. 29th. So, we've been plagued by penalty minutes forever. And it's not the refs picking on the Wild. It's just undisciplined play. Montreal's 20th. So, this is the season finale. Will the Wild get the sweep? I would like to believe they can, and they like to believe they will. Um, The Wild have been definitely better under John Hines. There's no doubt about it. For fair reasons or unfair reasons, they've been better. Jake Allen's giving up three and a half goals a game, practically. Save percentage still miraculously, though, above 90 at 90.4. Sam Multimoltz sounds like he belongs in Montreal. Seven and four record, two point seven nine goals against average. Save percentage of nine one one nine one one. Not bad. At least respectable, right? Um, Nick Suzuki, Suzuki. Yes. <laughs> Eight goals, thir- uh, eighteen assists, twenty six total points in thirty one games. Cole Caulfield. Another one of those guys that we've all admired over the years. Coming into the draft, like New Hook as well at the time, but he's out, unfortunately. 22 points, 8 goals, 14 assists. Michael Matheson has been a pretty nice uh, defenseman for Montreal. He's been a nice little, you know, he's been a nice find for some fantasy players out there, like myself, believe it or not. It was a nice surprise find. 21 points in 31 games. He has uh, 9 power play assists and 3 power play goals. Second on the team behind uh, a tie of Nick Suzuki. And Sean Monahan, the former Calgary Flame, now nine goals. He leads the team in goals with nine and ten assists and 19 total points in 31 games. Sean Monaghan staying healthy. Good job. That's a good thing. Believe me. Uh, looking for any old familiar names. Kirby Dock. Remember him. Two games so far on the season. Yep. So, mm, Kirby Dock. Montreal's three and two in their last five, including a shootout. Well, no, that was the first game of them. Yeah, they beat uh, they beat Buffalo on the shootout, lost to Pittsburgh, and recently beat the Winnipeg Jets on the road, three to two. Pretty good, pretty good win actually. So, I think the Wild do beat beat the Montreal Canadiens. I'd like to believe the Wild continue to move in the right direction. Why not? A mm, four to two with an empty netter. Four to two with an empty netter. The Wild end up winning the game. Matt Boldy. Will score again. Matt Boldy will score again. That's my little crystal ball prediction. You can call it the Boston Bruins. Ever heard of them? Yeah, a little bit. They're still one of the top teams in the league. Milan Lucic. Yeah, now they put it on there. Last week they didn't, and it made me look like an idiot. And I because I'd forgotten. Because I I, I don't know. It's sometimes you miss stuff, and it's my apologies. I apologize deeply for not uh, remembering the uh, domestic situation going on with him. Um, He'll be entering the Milan Lucic uh, out since uh, November. He'll be entering the NHL slash NHLPA player assistance program while he remains on an indefinite leave. Yep, so there was a domestic thing going on. Unfortunately, with Milan Lucic, a wonderful player for many years with Calgary and others, and Boston, Um, in the past, I believe he won a cup with Boston. I'm almost 99% sure he won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins um, in 2011. Derek Forbort, injured reserve as of the 7th of December. David Pasternak, the pastor, the poster, whatever he is, pasta ahead, whatever he is. <laughs> Multi-goal game against the Wild, one of the best players in the National Hockey League. There's no doubt, there is no doubt. Jeremy Swayman, who was not in the net versus the Wild, Linus Olmark was. And Linus Olmark was the best goalie in the league last year. 2.86 goals against average for Allmark. Swayman 2.06 goals against average. They are number two in the league in goals against. Are the Boston Boston Bruins. Um, I'm jumping ahead. Swayman has the only two shutouts on the season. I'm not really jumping ahead, but Boston's only 18th in goals. They're not exactly an offensive juggernaut, but they're shutting people down. They have the best penalty kill in hockey, and eighth on the power play. So the Wild actually did score against the best penalty kill in the league because they give up goals once in a while. Um, yeah, second in goals against because of guys like Swayman. The Wild won recently, and I just talked about it. So, yeah, the Wild are actually playing better than Boston in our last five. We are four and one in our last five. Boston is two and three, two and three. So, Boston's actually been losing a couple games lately, including some shootouts, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, well, they beat the Islanders, so never mind. They didn't lose in the shootout, and the Wild survived in a couple that I just talked about. Um, can the Wild sweep the season series? Wouldn't that be amazing? knocked 24 assists with his 19 goals, 43 total points, way above a point a game. He's on pace for 100-plus. Charlie Coyle, very good season. 10 goals, 11 assists, 21 total points, one of the best, if not the best, well, one of the best, third-line third centers in the league. I can't call him the best third-line center in the league. I can't. I just refuse. It's Charlie Coyle. I refuse. Sorry. <laughs> again talked about the goaltending it's it's obviously very good the goaltending's been good and you have guys like Pasternak, Brad Marchand with 13 goals, 14 assists, he tied the game up remember with like a minute left and I thought almost everybody on the planet thought the Wilds were going to lose that one uh, but Wild end up surviving Boston's not playing so well, dare we strike while the iron's hot and actually beat the Boston Bruins again, do we sweep the season series with Boston, that'd be impressive um it really would be. I think the Wild have won, what, four out of... Nah, my my number's way off. The Wild have been around too long for me to come up with that. So I'm going to leave that stat blank in my head, floating around in blue screen of Deathland where it belongs, I suppose. <laughs> um... Basically, Boston has has not owned the Wild, but they've had a winning record against Minnesota. It's kind of along that lines. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, because some of that stuff is. I mean, it's nice to know, but it's like I don't know. You can only get into so much information, at times. So without boring you, I suppose after a while, Uh, depends. I guess who's listening. Um, I'm having a hard time who to pick in this one. This this is kind of like a pick 'em. You know what? Just pick 'em, right? No, I can't say that. Uh, Boston's probably going to win. Uh, let's just be fair here. I, I, It sounds too good to be true. The Wild are going to sweep the Boston Bruins this year. And if they do, great. Then I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe we drop one against Montreal. But I got to hope and pray the Wild can beat Detroit coming up. Yeah, because I'm kind of going to the 2-1 in one week. I can't go 3-0. and And if the Wild do it, great. Good for us. <claps> awesome. Happy New Year. You know, maybe you sweep Winnipeg too. That'd be even better. Then it really is Happy New Year time. Um, and pick up where you left off, if you know what I mean, which is for the proof New Year doesn't mean anything. You want it. sometimes if you're doing good, you want to pick it up where you left off. <laughs> yeah, and if things aren't doing good, then you desperately want to change. Back to where I need to be. Boston wins the hockey game. final score of three to two, three to two. Boston wins the game, but the most likely guy to score in the game is gonna be. Kirill Kaprizov, he's going to do it again. Kirill Kaprizov will at least get one goal in the game versus the Boston Bruins again. No Zuccarillo, so we're going to have to figure things out there. And then three days later, four days later, on Wednesday the 27th after Christmas, the Wild host the Detroit Red Wings. Um, We did not have a pretty game against this club last time we played. From what I remember, yeah, four to one. Ugh, that was awful. That was, uh... Wasn't that the day? Yeah, I, I think that was when, that was when, um, yeah, that was the day that uh, Everson got fired. It was like right after Thanksgiving. That was the game, 4-1. It was like, man, that was, you could just kind of tell. It was a listless, lifeless game. Detroit's third in the league in goals. Third. 22nd in goals against. So you expect kind of a higher scoring game. Like the Wild might be able to score against him too, but we only got one freaking goal. Ugh, but third and goals, that's impressive. 14th power play, 20th on the penalty kill. They're kind of a little bit messy with the penalty minutes as well. 22nd in the league in the Wilder, 29th in the league. 31st power uh, penalty kill, pardon me. Detroit has lost four in a row. Four in a row. Their last win was a 6-4 win over the St. Louis Blues. They were shut out recently by Philadelphia, and then a 5-2, you know, butt-kicking in the hands of Winnipeg in Manitoba, there. So Manitoba. Uh, I want to believe the Wild can win this game. Alex DeBrincat with 15 goals, pretty impressive, actually. Um, I, I, yeah, I believe the Wild win this game. I think the Wild return the favor in this one, five to two win, five to two win. I think the Wild kick Detroit's butt, actually. I, I, I think so. Five to two win. It's going to be like the Winnipeg game in a sense. James Reimer, 2.87 goals against average. He's only 2-5 on the year, though. Save percentage of 9 Alex Lyon, I think he was a net versus Minnesota. He was actually really good, if I remember correctly. 2.14 goals against average. Save percentage of 9 And a shutout on the season. He's 4-3 overall. Ville Husso, not been good. It was an exciting acquisition, but he's not really been good with Detroit. 3.53 and a save percentage of 89.3. Brinkat with 28 points, Dylan Larkin with 27, DeBrincat with 15 goals, Larkin with uh, 18, and Lucas Raymond, one of those big prospects during the uh, the Rossi draft. Yep, you're gonna hear about Marco Rossi in a minute, but yeah, one of the big big guys in that Rossi draft, kind of a semi-surprise pick by Detroit. Some people thought they were gonna pick Rossi. Um, Rossi, Rossi, um, 10 goals, 14 assists for Lucas Raymond, the winger there in Detroit. The Wild win 5-2, and Marco Rossi. We'll have a multi-point game. multi-point game. One goal, one assist at the very least. But multi-point game. Maybe two goals. Who knows? That'd be great. But Rossi. Rossi Rossi. We'll have a multi-point game versus Detroit and a 5-2 or two win over the Detroit Red Wings or dead things or whatever you want to call them. Marco Rossi Rossi with 10 goals and 8 assists on the season. He will get to at least 20 points by that stage. So we will be talking about a 20-point-plus guy with Minnesota and Marco Rossi <laughs> on next week's show. Boldy, 8 goals, 10 assists. He's at 18 points. Dulik Sinek, 14 goals, 8 assists, 22 points. Kirill Kaprizov grandly got his 10th goal, <laughs> 27 points for him. And then Matt Zucarillo is week to week. So Kirill Kaprizov will be the leading scorer on the Wild very soon, whether we like it or not. Brock Faber, a great rookie year, almost half a point a game. And he's, you know, he's just starting to enter into power play territory. hmm and that's not not including his amazing defensive abilities, high IQ overall, offensively and defensively, defensively especially. Um, Marcus Johansson quietly has been really chipping in with assists, so even though he's been invisible at the goals, he does have 12 assists on the season, so giving him a little bit of credit, even though he might be annoyed with his overall play. Um, goaltending situation, Yep, Philip Gustafson is the first wild goalie to get below three goals a game at 2-9-1 with a putrid start. Two shutouts on the season already. Save percentage of 90.6. So, yep, let's get to the prospects now. I'm bouncing all over the place, um, but that's where we're heading now. Just wanted to look at some of the important numbers and some of the important players with this club. Damon Hunt did get his first assist, like I talked about, so good for him. The Iowa Wild. Nick Baton had a hat trick last night, and it was mostly the prospects, but thankfully, Sammy Walker chipping in with three assists, three assists in that epic uh, game. Unfortunately, Volstead, uh, Valsteed <laughs> now that we're changing the name again, um, pretty soon it'll be Jayesper, Jayesper, Huda. I don't know, but it's Jesper Valsteed now, apparently. He was shelled five goals yesterday. He was actually taken out of the game. So that kind of sucks, the 7-4 loss for the Iowa Wild. Nicholas Baton, though, Nick Baton, now it's seven goals after the hat trick. That's right, hat trick. Jake Lucini and Kyra all leading the team in scoring. Sammy Walker is now the leading scoring Well, he's tied with the up and down, you know, poor, super poor man's uh, Jason Zucker and Adam Backman. That's pretty much what he is. Maybe it's a terrible comparison. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's the consistency thing, not the skating ability. Like, obviously Zucker could skate. He was fast, so very fast. He was lightning fast, but he was inconsistent. He's like a like a Jacques Jones of the Twins, like wow, three home runs last week. He is kicking butt. He's batting averages. Yeah, he's bat, he's, bat, he's batting like four hundred the last two weeks. Woo And then here come the playoffs. One for one for like twenty. It's like uh, GTFO. And it was like a harmless single, you know, in a in the eighth inning when they're we down like four nothing or something. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's about it. That's kind of that. You know, there's a lot of Jacques Joneses in sports. A lot. They're everywhere. Um, Sammy Walker, though, yep, 10 assists now in the year with the three assists in the most recent game. Uh, yeah, Simon Johansson, yep, he's been the most consistent defenseman down there. Uh, he's, he's, unfortunately, though, he is a minus 12. He's been on the ice for some of the worst uh, situations, unfortunately for him. Ryan O'Rourke's been adequate, but just kind of running the mill so far. Uh, Lambos is taking steps forward gradually. We're talking baby steps forward where Hunt was the best defenseman In Iowa. And I think uh, the Iowa Wild, that is. I don't want to get them compared with the Iowa Harlanders here. I got to just say the whole name from now on. Especially when I talk about the Harlanders briefly coming up. Uh, Damon Hunt has been the best defenseman down there, especially prospect wise. And he's one of the younger ones. Vinatieri, obviously. Both of them deserve to be with Minnesota, I believe. Minnesota. Yep, still on the Wild, but Minnesota, I know. Spachik has been showing nice little signs as well. Doesn't uh, get the points yet, but they're going to come. And Bankier with multiple goals now coming back from injury, and he's been uh, he's been good in the five games he's been out there, very encouraging. Just Iowa's generally been the Wild. The Iowa Wild have generally been not good. That's why you see a lot of minus this. Everybody's a minus something. Like Bankier already a minus three. It's just it's just because it's kind of not been the best. They've been giving up goals like crazy. McIntyre got absolutely destroyed recently, and um, Jesper Volstad. His goals against average was under 2, wasn't it? Now it's 2.43, so he's been running into a little bit of a bad stretch here, we'll call it. It's been uh, ugh, not been good. Bank here, though, 2 goals already in just 5 games now with the Iowa Wild at 20 years of age. That minimum age for uh, rookies in uh, the AHL. So, pretty cool. Hearing hearing a lot of noise, like arguing outside, sorry, it's very distracting, hope it's nothing too bad, hearing some noise, scared me a little bit, I'm like, what's going on, sorry, (laughs) that was distracting, um, yeah, entertaining too, no, it's not, it's not at all, uh, let's head to Europe, hmm, let's head to Europe real quickly, hmm, sorry, I'm getting... A little bit paranoid here. Uh, open things up with Merat Husnadinov. Come on now, <laughs> Merat Husnadinov. who's Husnadinov. Oh boy, gotta think. Yeah, I think teams have been inactive of late because the juniors are coming up, right? But yeah, with Sochi, twenty-four points, five goals, 11. Uh, 5 goals, six assists for eleven total points. But at least doing something there. And again, a projected uh, bottom sticks center, basically with the Minnesota Wild, you know, third or fourth line center, if you know what I'm trying to say. The other Russian, Danila Yurov. Everybody loves what we're seeing there. And Ogren is going to be the uh, captain for his junior team. So pretty cool, world junior team. I'm getting a thing that's just freezing on me, so that's not helping me at all. In fact, it's bleeping frustrating. It's because they got to get their 50 ads in. (laughs) That's the problem. Um... Danila Yurov, yep, 27 points, 12 goals, 15 assists. But here come the, uh, yep, so, yep, well, the, the World Juniors things kind of slow down here for a minute. Um, but no, he's been really good. This is the Pro League, though, so we're not talking anything like that. He's in the professionals, but super young. Uh, 12 goals, 15 assists, 27 total points in 35 games for Danila Yurov. And again, Ogren will be the captain for his club, which is awesome for uh, Savida in there slowly but surely yep there here it is <laughs> good for him though really exciting um swedish hockey league of course and yep he's in the under 20 he already uh, has played one game he's a minus one so far uh and he has been at the pro level a bit yep only five games so far so just like Hayden bank here two goals in five games After coming back from that shoulder injury. World Junior Classic. So it's a Sweden All International Junior. Royal Junior Classic has not started yet, but he will be the captain. Yep. This is the uh, International Junior. So it's a little different thing leading into the World Junior Classic. So we'll get back to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. And we'll uh, mercifully move on from that page as it just loves to slow the entire computer down. It's I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Seriously. love. first off, he won't be playing any juniors because he's 22 now. At least I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. We'll just kind of keep moving on from that. Something, something. Yep. Uh, he's obviously been, he's been making some progress there. But still, you know, your office is, is ahead. That's just bottom line from that. I was going to get into the Iowa Heartlanders. I apologize. Um, Hunter Jones, 4.59 goals against average. We'll go back to Iowa Heartlanders. Sorry for my messiness here. So we'll go from the Iowa Wild to Europe now. Back to the Heartlanders, as um, yep, the main the main guy there. Obviously, Spachek played for three games and got two goals, but deserves to be at the AHL level. Pavel Novak now at eight games. He was at five recently, but now he played three games, three more games, three goals, two assists total so far, five total points in the ECHL's Iowa Heartlanders. Um, like what Novak's been doing so far. So again, like I keep saying. You know, improving that batting average, hitting some home runs, you know, like send players down to kind of get things going. And then uh, hopefully he can come back up to the AHL in the not too distant future. There's been a couple of guys that have been, you know, stepping up down there. Uh, Kajovic, he's what? He's only 22 years of age and he's been doing well, nine total goals. Um, so he's one of the young ones, 22 years of age. Kajkovic uh, Karj, from Slovakia. Nine goals, four assists for him. So at least he's one of the young guys, younger guys, anyway. You even have a guy from Tokyo, Japan, Yuki Mura, 27 years of age, Tokyo, Japan, in the ECHL's Iowa Wild. But Pavel Novak is the main prospect I'd have to say, because Hunter Jones, probably not looking promising for him at the moment. And I'm sorry to say, we will continue. <laughs> we, uh, Jack Pert, still four assists, 16 games now for the. Um, St. Cloud State Huskies in his junior year for the national powerhouse type of team. Nate Benoit, still no points. Seven total games so far for the University of North Dakota at age 21. So, yep, he's another one of those guys that was in juniors for a while, obviously, before coming to college. Petrovsky, he's in the Owen Sound Attack still, and he's at a point a game. 28 points, 28 games. 10 goals, 18 assists for Petrovsky, the 19-year-old Ryan Healy, the Harvard master, just kidding, (laughs) six points in nine games at defense, Um, missing time, unfortunately, two goals and four assists total for Ryan Healy, yeah, Michael Milne, yeah, we all know the situation there, unfortunately, regular Lawrence with Denver, yeah, well, you know, again, he's, he's, he's already exceeded last year's numbers in half the time, so that's good. Not giant steps forward, but steps forward, generally speaking, for the left winger out of Calgary, Alberta, still very young guy in his sophomore year at age 19. Six goals, six assists in 18 games, so two-thirds a point, basically, in the uh, at the college level. Hunter Hate, again, this is the juniors, Steganos, so it's like, uh, over a point a game, and that's good, it's just, again, it is the juniors, so, which we're, we're going to hear from a lot of us here, 14 goals, 24 assists, he's a plus two on the year. For the Saginaw spirit. J.C. Jimmy Clark, University of Minnesota. Obviously, again, he, he is what he is. He's not going to be a star right away. He's only a 19-year-old freshman. That type of thing. Um, Yep. So we're going to have to wait and see how he continues. But he's he's showed signs. He showed signs that he's a prospect of some kind, generally speaking. But not anybody you're going to go absolutely crazy over, necessarily. We'll see. I mean, at absolute best, he might be a Nick Sweeney type. Uh, if you know what I mean, A seventh round pick. That's pretty good, and gets to the AHL, and then um, hope for the best after that. Uh, Charlie Strommel, still at five points. Yep, <laughs> had that he had that great weekend uh, two weeks ago, but uh, you know, still at five points now. Twelve games, two goals, three assists for Charlie Strommel. Same call, Minnesota native again. in twenty-seven games, twenty-seven points. That's still the same because of the whole junior situation. Riley Height. Everybody knows what he can do. He is rising to higher <coughs> heights. He's over two points a game now. Over two points a game. He looks like uh, Anakin Skywalker in that outfit and that that face and the hair and everything. He does. He looks like Anakin Skywalker. Hopefully he's uh, hopefully he's a good version of Anakin though. Doesn't become a uh, <coughs> doesn't become uh, you know doesn't join the dark side. Okay, I'm just messing around. But um, obviously it's not real. Uh, but again, it is the juniors. Obviously again, like, uh, um, what is it? Adam Beckman was absolutely dominant. Uh, Connor DeWere was, he wasn't dominant, but he was very good. He was like really, really high end. Was it the Everett silver tips? Really good. But you know, and then he went to the AHL and stayed good. That's the, that's the great part. He wasn't like super good, but he stayed good. He was the kind of guy you wanted. He was like a Jewelers and that kind of type player for Iowa. Really good and then gets to the NHL and he's he's good he's solid he's you know he is what he is he's a bottom six. Riley Height I would hope he's going to be a top six type. But obviously again we have to let things develop. He seems to be at another level. He does. He does seem to be at another level than the Adam Beckwins and uh Connor Dewars of the league. But at least Connor Dewar is an NHL player. Like he's carved out something pretty good for the uh, you know for the Minnesota Wild in the NHL on the third or fourth line role at center. Uh, he's, he's done very well. Um, heck, he even had a hat-trick this year. So that does count for something. And he, he's just, I, I, I like what he's doing. And he's still super young. Definitely in no rush to get rid of uh, Connor Dewar, even if it means getting who's But um, you got to think there's other players that are going to be gone before Connor Dewar when it comes to making room for a who's type. Um, Riley Height, yeah. I would hope there's top six talent coming here. The passing ability is going to be there no matter what line he's on. And i got to think he's the kind of guy you're going to want on the power play. But again, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It is very early. It's, again, like (laughs) guys might get 150 points in the AHL, or excuse me, WHL or OHL or something like that. And then, um, you know, they end up not doing as much once they get to the AHL. But we'll have to wait and see. Riley Haidt, though, really impressed. And he is a second-round pick. It's not like he's like a seventh-round pick. So that's the prospects, eh? So that's kind of like what we have to look at, look forward to. Riley Height, who's the Dinoff against? She- uh, who's the Dinoff? Jasper Volsteed shelled a bit this week, unfortunately. Five goals given up, and it wasn't a complete game. He was pulled. Um, so that was quite unfortunate. We'll see how things, uh, we'll see how, the, how he how he does in the upcoming weeks. Well, that, we'll take a quick break and return for a fun, entertaining fan interaction segment. We are back here on Brave the Wild. Here we are. So, fan and direction segment is right here and right now. I hope he doesn't mind uh, if Derek, if I mention one thing here in the you know private conversation, because it's nothing, anything like oh oh you know like it's we're we're not we're not telling any secrets to people like like what the heck is going on or anything. Um, what am I watching? Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, he says Bankier has looked good. He also needs to add muscle to his frame, but he has good vision and instincts in the offensive zone. Walstead was terrible last night. He gave up six goals on, like, 16 shots. Most were the leaky variety, where he got part of it to trickle by him. Yep, so yep. oh, yeah. So, yep, yep, for only to trickle by him. So, yeah, extremely frustrating, uh, but nice to hear Bankier progressing. So, again, yeah, that was obviously nice information to add to the show. I figure I would. Again, it's not like... Yeah, it's not like he's telling secrets about what's going on behind the scenes with uh, Bill Guerin and such. I've been fairly quiet on that because I don't really know. You know, I don't really know. It's not like I don't care. I just don't really know what's going on there. So it might be a little bit of a strange situation. On to the Facebook, uh, or I call it Facebook now. On to the Twitter account, uh, the X, at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild is where we are now. I was asking thoughts on this up and down team as we head into Christmas. Tag it hashtag BTW man and ask as many questions and comments as you like. So yes that's how we like to do things here on Brave the Wild and the Fan Interaction segment. Um, Looks like yep there's a good number of them which I really appreciate. The Derek Felska lightning round hath returned duh. Kaboomies, yep. I'm going to add the Brave the Wild lighting round to here. <laughs> Crease Assist. Crease and Assist podcast. Yep, the Crease, and, the Crease Assist podcast. Absolutely awesome. Derek Felska. Uh, it was funny. See, he was sick. Uh, if he was sick and missed the, the, the show two weeks ago. And then this last week, then uh, Teresa, his wife, was sick. But uh, <laughs> So, um, Kalisha probably has nothing to worry about. I don't think they're spreading viruses through microphones and speakers. So she's lucky in that case. But yeah, when you're married, it is what it is. So you just pray to God you don't get sick of her. Anyhow, lightning round beginneth. I think the Minnesota Wild are what we felt they were. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's pretty much what happened with the uh, Penguins, right? We let them off the hook. Okay, sorry. A bubble playoff team at best. But they can't afford pedestrian goal scoring from its big salaries. Yeah, yeah. They don't seem to have the consistency necessary to take themselves out of the hole they dug. That's the thing, yeah, like where is the consistency? uh, where is the consistency? And yeah, the blade penalty by Golagoski, high staking, it was kind of a questionable call. Golagoski and uh uh John Hines were a bit <laughs> We're a bit perplexed and it's kind of fun to watch. I don't I'm laughing. Um, yeah, Doc Faber's like, oh, that's, that's okay. We're not going to give up a goal here. No, they did actually. I remember. Yeah, they did. Anyhow, uh, there was a response. Ty Sandstrom. Nice to hear from you. He says, uh, where is he? Yep. This, this is not a playoff team. Something is way off. Faber should garner some attention for Calder, but that's all they have going for him. I'd say Ross Rossi, Rossi too, a little bit. Um, but yeah, Faber's closer to the Calder Cup than, um, uh, than uh, Calder Trophy, than, uh, that'd be great. Sorry. <laughs> he's closer to, yeah, I had to do that. He's closer to Calder, Calder than Rossi. Definitely. Because, I mean, he's he's a do-it-all defenseman that is going to be one of the best players on the team. Very much so. The lightning round continues. Should the Minnesota Wild have been Mark andre Fleury the starting against Pittsburgh and starting against Boston instead? Probably, but I, I just, I, I love what, thankfully, at the end of the day, it ended up working out to a point uh, where, who knows, we probably would have lost to Pittsburgh anyway, and we may have, I don't know what would have happened with Boston, but uh, Fleury was so damn good versus Boston that, uh, I don't know. I, I I Let's just put it this way. I, I like how it turned out for the most part. I mean, the, the frickin' Pittsburgh game was frustrating beyond belief. Like, play with better discipline, you might have a chance. Um, yeah, we're gonna see the Marchand goal here. There it is. Nope, well, it's coming. Where whenever it happens here in like the next 60 seconds or so. No, less than that. Um, there it is. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> um, I like how it turned out that the Wild were able to beat Boston. I I, I guess it kind of we, we kind of figured we were gonna end up splitting in that series, that little back to back, and it, it kind of is what it is. The only thing is obviously again, Mark Andre Fleury being able to play against Pittsburgh is would have been really nice. So that's the one thing that people are probably annoyed with, and I'm sure, uh, yeah, it, it'll raise an eyebrow or two. Like, huh, why didn't they do that? Um, okay, we're going to hear from Steve Snyder and Brian Herrera right now, and then we'll jump back into the lightning round with Derek. Steve Snyder, great to hear from you. A couple guys. Brian Herrera, awesome to hear from you, both of you guys. Uh, Steve Snyder says, has the Spurgeon experiment run its course? Good D, but always hurts. Not adding much value sitting in the press box. Are you ready for this? I agree. I agree. Um, he is always hurt, isn't he? So those are really good points. He's always hurt. Spurgeon is always hurt. And yeah, his defense is good, but again, he's always hurt and it doesn't seem like he's not the same. And he is in his he's entering his mid thirties just about now. He's getting to be kinda old and unfortunately like I always complain and bitch about, he's signed forever still. So I think, you know, you know what could end up happening? Soon, if we're smart and if and if we're lucky too, with like young players developing. Well, now this might be sacrilegious, but it is what it is. You sign guys for long-term deals for a lot of money. When they're getting a little older, you're gonna you might have to deal with this. But Spurgeon might end up being a th- uh, you're gonna people are gonna slap and laugh at me or whatever the heck. But he might end up being a third pair. If you're looking for a possible solution at the third pair position in the future, like, say, going into next year or such and we finally get rid of certain guys that we don't want because they're really old and really past their prime, like Goligosky, and then Merrill's just not good at all, maybe that might be where we're headed, possibly. But, like, he would play more than the average third pair, put it that way. But, again, a lesser role. Maybe he'd less likely get hurt. And you would be absolutely set at the third pair defenseman. That's the only solution I can think of since since you're kind of stuck with him. That's the only solution I can kind of come up with, particularly as he gets older. And I know other people might say, well, no, duh. One side is probably saying, well, no, duh. And the other side is like laughing their ass off. They're going to be the dumbest person ever because of the combination of the money. And, well, he's like the captain and he's this and he's that. It's Jared Spurgeon. I don't know, though. I I disagree if people see it that way. I, I think, well, for first of all, money isn't everything, just like with Ryan Hartman. Ryan Hartman is not a top six player. Spurgeon is making more than Ryan Hartman yes but Ryan Hartman is not a top six player and Spurgeon being a very solid hopefully more healthy defenseman with a slightly diminished role because it wouldn't be a huge drop it's not like you're going to play him eight minutes a night you know it wouldn't be that much of a drop but like a third pair that can kind of hang in there and kind of stop the bleeding so to speak and then younger guys can get more opportunities on the power play and such, so that's kind of how I might see that. That was a great, great, great question. And I love, I love when people, you know, it's like it's. I love when people bring up questions like that because I've been kind of thinking the same a bit, you know. And I think I've been hinting at that on the last few shows that it's like, you know, I, I do think his role should be diminished. I do. I think his role should be diminished. I'm not. I'm not blown away by Spurgeon anymore. That's for sure. Brian Herrera, it's great to hear from you. It's been. A while. I don't know if it's been like half a year or something. Um, hope I, I don't know if your schedule changed or something. Or maybe I didn't like the show. I don't know. But <laughs> Brian Herrera's been a great supporter of Brave the Wild, though. So I, I've been seeing the retweets and such. So I do appreciate that um, and, and the likes. Brian Herrera says, with this season, basically the Wild being a wild card contender at best, what moves this offseason would you expect them to make? And do you expect any other big changes before the season ends, trades, or firings? Um, firings were probably good at the moment, but then again, I guess with the front office, some of the weird drama going on there, I guess you never know. Apparently, uh, Garen was kind of going at the... Uh, that's a that's a popular guy. Is it Andrew Height, I believe is his name? Um, popular guy. I'm probably getting the first name wrong. But uh, very popular guy who's been on the... Um, um, what do they call that thing? Straight from the source podcast more than once with Michael Russo. Yeah, he's been—he's like the main ticket guy, like and all that. You know, getting guys tickets and flights and such, hotels and all that. He's uh, booking hotels apparently. Garen um, went at him or whatever, but you guys know the story more than me probably. At the end of the day, or you know it as much as I do. So maybe I'm babbling too much. Um, I think I, I don't expect any more firings, but there's got to be some kind of trade hopefully ho- hopefully the wild find a way to dump merrill one way or another um again it's luckily it's 1.2 million it's not like it's 4 million like ryan hartman and felino and such and gajillions like uh, spurgeon yeah gajillions <laughs> until like 2030 that's the annoying part about spurgeon <laughs> and that cap it's frightening here i go pulling up the cap friendly again every week man i'm telling you every week okay yeah see Frickin' three more, yeah, three more years after this one, seven. So, oh, my God, that's a lot of money. That'd be a very expensive third-pairing defense, and, but, well, I mean, it kind of is what it is. You signed him. I mean, you signed him. 34 years old, you know that? And you, yeah, you signed him. That's a lot of cap hit going to a guy. Oh, boy, boy, oh, boy, that's a lot of money going to a guy when he's in his He's going to be in his upper thirty. so. Mm, yeah, and you're going to have to sign Faber pretty soon, you know. I, I, don't you get sick of it? Oh, this guy's contract's up. Oh, boy, gotta sign him. Goligoski's gonna be gone one way or another. If somehow, some way we could move Merrill, that'd be great. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wild make at least a move here somewhere. Um, Some of the, you know, like, I wouldn't be surprised maybe if the Wild possibly look to trade Marcus Johansson, even though he's, he's yeah, his his passing has definitely been helpful. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wild even trade a, uh Frederick Goodrow, but then again, I, I don't know if anybody's gonna want to take that contract. Like, the money's 2.1. It's not the end of the world, but four years remaining after this season. So, it's kind of tough to say. It's kind of tough to say. Like, Brandon Durham, we'll see if he comes back. I, I'm kind of doubting that. So, it's kind of more of an off-season thing, I think, than regular season. Um, When it comes to possible moves during the course of the year. Yeah. Like, the three guys at the, you know, Carril, Poldy, Eck, obviously, they're not going anywhere. We love Foligno for some reason. I mean, I... I like him. I don't love him. I just don't. Uh, you know, I just don't. It could be like a you know, Johansson type of thing, or uh, it could be like Johansson and or Merrill. Like Olajoski, oh, I'm guessing they're just gonna let it run its course. It's kind of it kind of is what it is. Like nobody's gonna trade for him. Um, I don't know. Maybe like minor moves like that don't really affect the current Minnesota Wild. That's the other thing. So sad but true there when it comes to all that. So that's the... Yeah, they're, they're kind of stuck. That's the thing. Like, bottom line, they're kind of stuck. But uh, great question, though, obviously. But uh, fire ends, yep. I think we're okay for now. <laughs> I guess you never know, though. You never know with that front office. Maybe there's some other secret crap going on we, that we don't know about. <sighs> that's a different thing. Uh, Derek Felska jumps back in. This is the lightning round continuing. Why would you... Uh, why would you oblige Jacob La- yeah, yeah, that was weird Locko's request to fight with the Minnesota Wilds and whatnot that Connor DeWord did only, yeah Connor De- like Connor DeWord did only to be mauled at that point, yeah, that was bad and then Locko did his little, you know, raise the roof or whatever you call that, like everyone on their feet like Garnett used to do after he, yeah, mauled Connor DeWord that was kind of weird that's where you just kind of keep skating, I think yeah, I don't know, maybe Connor DeWord just had enough of him, but Mm. that wasn't worth it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> that was kind of dumb, wasn't it? Jay Bushy says, what can they do to stop taking all these penalties? Whew. Oh, pray to God. Pray to God. <laughs> no, just obviously you're, you know, they just need to be more disciplined, plain and simple. Um, you know, and, and even again, just like ignoring uh, Lauco, if I'm saying it correctly, his uh, request to fight with uh, Conor work. Simply like ignoring something like that, even even though that was like a an, an even split, it wasn't really like a penalty like hooking and such. You're just like hooking and holding and cry whatever the heck, slashing, just dumb penalties, just overall composure. I think, and I don't know. It was definitely better versus Boston, but not that much better. I mean, we still gave up a power kind of a lame power play late in the game, so that was super frustrating. But luckily, Kirill Kaprizov finished kind of like skating, one-timer style, like um, um like one of his heroes, uh, Ovechkin. So that was cool. Derek Felsio, lightning round, return heads for three more here. What odds do you give the Minnesota without making the playoffs at this point? And then you have uh, Mr. <laughs> Han Solo. Never tell me the odds. Never tell me the odds. Okay, then I'm not going to tell you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what odds would you give the Wild to make in the playoffs? Uh, 10%. Because if you're stuck at 500 at Christmas, when they talk about like, you know, Thanksgiving, we're already at Christmas now. Yeah, like we're already at Christmas. So I will say uh, 10%, maybe 20 at best. Like one out of five at best is my humble opinion, I think. So that's what odds I'm leaning towards. And actually, it's one more. Here we go. What Christmas gift from your from your past when you compare Brock Faber has been for the Minnesota Wild this season? The Nintendo. Yep, the Nintendo. The NES, which is about as exciting as it gets. Um, yeah, like the NES was a wonderful thing. It ended up being better than I, I could have imagined. Because back in the day, like video games were kind of exciting. But then when you put in the Nintendo for the first time, once we figured out that you just press that you actually press down, See, I didn't have the top loader yet. The top loaders are way better, but they didn't. we didn't have top loaders until, like, 93. So we had the, the deck, like we all did, and the damn thing would give you the pink screen flashing. If you didn't <clears throat> press down, once we figured that out, then okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we didn't know that, but we didn't. We just didn't know that. <laughs> That's one of the funniest things. But like the Nintendo, it ended up being way beyond what we expected. Like, obviously, Brock Faber was highly touted. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, he's gonna he's one of the best defensemen on the Gophers. He's actually probably the best defenseman on the Gophers. Very highly touted. But, oh, he's defensive-minded. He doesn't, uh, he's not somebody, you know, you would put on the power play, but he's the greatest penalty killer in the history of the world, and his IQ is high. And then his IQ was higher than we thought at the NHL level. Like, he was like a PhD at the college level when it came to you know, overall hockey IQ. But NHL, he's, he's already, like, up there, you know, <laughs> way up there. And, um... Now it's like you can see he's capable offensively as well. He might uh, He's not Kiel McCarr or anything, but he's moving up the charts very quickly, and he might end up being a perennial all-star someday. I might be overrating him a little bit, but you never know. He just might be a perennial all-star someday. And to be the Nintendo, it would be a perennial all-star, no doubt about it. In fact, the Nintendo is probably like more more like the... Honestly, the NES, when it actually works, when you have like something that works, like the top loader and emulators and such, it's more of the Gretzky category. But, you know, still, at least for for the Minnesota Wild this season, that's the question, not to the NHL, but for the Minnesota Wild this season, he, he is the NES, and it was a Christmas present. So, a wonderful, wonderful Christmas present. That didn't disappoint you. Like you get this radio control car, it's awesome, it's the coolest thing ever, but they break easily. Or maybe it's not as good quality as you thought it was and radio control cars do break really easily especially back in the day it Seemed like when we were kids we didn't you know we didn't know what we we're doing and we'd be dumb and reckless and stuff like that where I don't know <laughs> trying to think of yeah like so many talented players that ended up getting injured too easily that would be like a radio control car that's real exciting Um the NES they still you know they can last a lifetime and that's kind of like a Brock favorite could be a hopefully a lifer with the Minnesota wild. Um, yeah, that was a wonderful final question. Wonderful. I love that kind of stuff. And thank you, Derek. That was awesome. All of you guys' questions were great. And all all of you, Yep, that was awesome. Yep. Steve Snyder, very thought provoking on that one. Um, obviously Jay, uh, Jay Bushy, that was, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the top of the line of all the questions right now or with the team, Steve Snyder, that was very thought provoking with, um, Burgeon and of course again also um also Brian Herrera like what's going to happen coming up um yeah like we might be we might be kind of waiting to find out on some of that with that said i better get skedoodling here uh major shout outs of course to hockey podcast network um MNW young guns yeah absolutely love you guys so much minnesota wild prospects again mnw prospects uh, Pavel Bennett. Justin Bakke, two of the coolest people in the world. Uh, Scott Cavendish, Minnesota Wild Global. Patrick Turner, Minnesota Wild Nation. Um, Justin is also on the the Sound of the Foghorn podcast as well. And of course, Crease Assist. Yep, Crease Assist podcast. Uh, you guys are great. Um, Seth Tupal also, Minnesota, uh, Locked on Minnesota Wild. I think he does a great job. I really do. So, yep, I'm a regular listener. So, with that said, all of you have yourself a Merry Little Christmas instead of a, a wonderful off season or Christmas season. Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And hopefully, the Minnesota Wilds continue to play winning hockey, and we'll see. Uh, otherwise, again, yep, other solutions that could come up. Yep, I talked about those enough. I'm babbling myself to death here. Again, Merry Christmas. God bless you, everyone. <laughs>